Welcome to the NCS Tech Talks podcast, your hub for all things tech and innovation. Get ready to discover the upcoming technologies shaping the future of businesses. Hello, my name is Shawin. I'm a senior partner and also the chief scientist at NCS. We will be delving into this fascinating intersection of IT and sustainability. We'll explore how um, digital technology can be both voracious uh, consumer and as well as a guardian of our planet. I am thrilled to have with me on this digital safari, Matthew Hartman, a senior leader from Hitachi Ventara, as our guest and expert who will provide us with valuable insights on the tech opportunities, the risks, uh, solutions related to IT and sustainability in the corporate context. So whether you are streaming this on your energy efficient device or on a gadget that's a bit of a fossil, plug in, power up and prepare to decode the mysteries of how bytes and beliefs in sustainability can coexist in the tech ecosystem. Hey, Matthew. Hey, Sherwin. Can you introduce yourself and uh, what you do at Hitachi Ventara? Yeah, sure. And and thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to be here with you. As you said, my name is Matthew Hardman. I uh, am the CTO for Hitachi Ventara. I, I have multiple roles, I guess. I, I sort of carry the message of innovation of what we do at Hitachi Ventara. I have a team of about 100 people across Asia Pacific who's actively engaged with customers and helping them become more data-driven and solve big data challenges, right? So if you think about the heritage we come from, you know, we have over 150 years experience in operational and IT based technologies. I won't go into all the details because it's probably an hour talking about Hitachi. But you know, today, a lot of our focus is on solving those those big data challenges. And they start from big systems on the mainframe to a lot of the uh, the cloud systems that people are going ahead and actually building today, where there's a data challenge or a data opportunity, we're actively engaged to help customers design and build solutions that get the most out of their data, regardless of the outcome they're looking for. Excellent. You mentioned about multiple roles, right? Obviously, you know, a talent at you will have multiple responsibilities. IT and sustainability is a multifaceted topic. It covers at least environmental, economic and social aspects. I'd like to sort of uh, start with talking more about the social pillar which is very often the most overlooked when it comes to sustainability. I'd like to understand a bit more what uh, Hitachi might be doing on this social pillar front. Just as a personal experience, the first time I really started to delve into sustainability, I kind of used it as a very generic term, like that it was always about just the environment and greenhouse gases. And somebody told me in an executive briefing session, they said, Matt, what sustainability are you talking about? Well sustainability like that's what i'm talking about because yeah but environmental economic social which one and i realized then there was more to it and i had to understand a little bit more so i'm, I'm really glad you actually asked the question social sustainability i think is things that people are probably already doing every single day you know it's what are we doing with our members in our workforce today what are we doing to help skill them up or, or protect them better in the workforce you know you're looking at what are we doing from a uh, safety point of view how are we giving them leave to go ahead and pursue their own development or contributions inside and outside the actual community. There are many things that every single company is going ahead and actually doing. Specifically, 
Hitachi Vantara, there are things that we've actually gone ahead and done as part of our larger Hitachi organization where we've contributed to earthquake relief efforts in uh, in Turkey and Syria, nations for humanitarian aid around Ukraine. Here specifically in Asia, which I think is probably more closer to home, especially in ASEAN, we actually have a Hitachi Young Leaders Initiative. We've done it once before in, in 2022. We brought together 405 people where these young leaders really discuss the challenges being faced in, in ASEAN over a series of days. And then at the end of those, that, those couple of days, what they do is they go ahead and submit proposals about how do we solve real world problems? And you might sort of say, well, you know, people can go ahead and do that online. But when you bring those people, sort of provide them with the mentoring and the, the orchestration support to help them get to a solution, that is the sort of social sustainability that we're trying to go ahead and actually drive. Like, how do we show that young leaders have an opportunity to be able to have an effect on our environment, on the way they work, their their economic conditions and all those different things. So we're very, very proud about the investments we can actually do there. Then of course, there are things around STEAM, trying to promote science and technology. So many, many different things that, that we go ahead and actually do. Certainly sustainability is not one thing, it's what you can do in those different areas. So we're proud of those efforts. I think that's highly impressive. I think not many sort of corporates will have that ability, right, to have such a diverse sort of impact. And I think uh, you know, the focus on data is a very important amplifier of helping some of what you just talked about, the young people, right, realize, uh, you know, impact in what in, in their aspirations with uh, data so easily available these days. Right, and there's so many IT tools uh, around, right, which are open source. I mean, it's much easier now to ramp up an app and get plugged into a wider community. And I hope to see more of that you now coming, not just from Hitachi, but also from other organizations. Reflecting back on the this uh, triad of uh, sustainability, I would like to think that uh, economic and environmental sustainability is complementary forces, while some might see it as competitive. So Matthew, I'm quite curious about you know, your perspective on this interplay. You know, it is quite often when people start to think about environmental sustainability, they kind of feel like it comes at a cost. And I will be the first person to tell you that sometimes aggressively approaching environmental sustainability is a combination of making choices that might seem to have a, a financial hurdle at the outset, but ultimately will pay off in spades as you go through, right? Because if you can start looking at what are you leading to to solve when you think about areas such as environmental sustainability, you're looking at how you start to think about existing infrastructure you have inside your organization, your practices about what you go ahead and actually do, the electricity that you, you procure, or even you know the electricity you don't procure but generate yourself. There's a whole range of different approaches that you can actually look at to be able to help you have not just an environmental benefit, but an economic impact. If I sort of talk about an example of a customer, which we've talked about publicly before from Hitachi, a power station in uh, South Africa called Kojima. Really interesting customer. Like they had a, a fairly aging infrastructure and they were looking to go ahead and actually upgrade. And we, we spoke to them for a long time. We we're talking about how can we do things such as, you know, reduce their footprints? How do we actually innovate with the latest storage? How do we think about their data? There is the conversation about the technology, but there's also a conversation about what you do with data and your practices and things like that. And ultimately what we were able to do was essentially provide them a solution that was consuming something around a range of 30 to 40% less energy. So that was just straight coming off their energy bills. 
but that was also then uh, helping to reduce their carbon emissions by the same amount as well. So through that procurement where they modernized their storage infrastructure, they were able to instantly start to realize cost benefits from an electricity consumption point of view and start to look at their benefits from a environmental point of view. So these two things do go hand in hand. You can actually start to realize economic benefits by approaching environmental sustainability. Like I say, it's not instantaneous. From a long-term perspective, you are ultimately going to go ahead and actually benefit. So to sort of drill a bit more about your point that it's not instantaneous, there's a lot of effort I would think, right, in getting the necessary funding, but also a lot of effort in changing practices in the organization. Any advice for corporates starting on their journey towards net zero, right, you know, how to justify the initial investments, how to get it right? You hit the nail on the head, right? It is very much about changing mindsets sometimes versus just changing technology. Like changing technology, migrating from one system to another is never simple. But certainly, and you said it before, there's lots of great tools that people can go ahead and actually utilize today that will help mitigate risk and challenges and make things much, much more efficient. But I think a mindset shift is probably one of the biggest things that need to go ahead and actually happen. And I think that starts to talk to a little bit more about how we think about data. I don't want to focus just on storage, but it's probably the most easiest thing to go ahead and actually talk about. We tend to get very generic. I have data, I store it somewhere. But the reality is you need to start understanding where that data is coming from, what type of data is you're actually working with. If you were to go back and think maybe 10 years ago, actually probably even go back further, data predominantly was human generated. There was an application, people went ahead and did something and that data was captured. And we started to get to become more transactional and things like that. And as we had applications that were run by machines and, and processes, data became faster and faster and faster. But the majority of that data itself was typically going to be sort of transactional data in data tables, in databases, SQLs, oracles, DB2, those sorts of things. If you fast forward to today, the data we're capturing is largely varied, right? It's not just transactional data. We're now capturing video, we're capturing audio, we're capturing a lot of unstructured data. They all have different types of profile and different ways you can go ahead and actually work with them. Unstructured data might be better aligned around object storage, which has a different environmental impact profile. Transactional data might have a different profile. Data which was transactional, but you don't really need to use it anymore, that has a different sort of profile. So really starting to understand what data you have, where it's being generated, how it's being utilized, is possibly one of the things that, that you can start to do. now. I'm not saying you are going to be able to catalog everything. Data generation and storage is probably one of the biggest challenges most customers have today. We talk about things like cloud and, and AI and all these different things, but remember underlying all of these different workloads is the concept of data. You can't have AI without data to feed it. Well, you're not necessarily going to use cloud unless there's an outcome you're trying to define, which is fueled by data, right? So really understanding your data, where it is, where it's generated, what type it actually is, starts to then give you the opportunity to make educated decisions as to how I'm gonna go ahead and actually utilize that. So there is the storage aspect of it, but then there's also then the aspect of how you're utilizing it as well. Is it data that you're gonna be utilizing a lot 
if it is and you need to get access to it very very quickly and probably we need to have it on a first class tier storage but if it's data which you've collected over time and you might sort of say hey i don't want to use it all the time and maybe i might have to use it in the future then maybe you need to consider about some sort of form of archival storage or something which is actually lower in terms of the electricity consumption you don't need tier one storage the last thing i'd sort of say and this is you need to ask yourself and this is the mindset question do you need to keep data forever because quite often one of the things we start to see especially as we see customers moving into a, a hybrid cloud environment where the infrastructure is distributed i've got some applications and systems running in a cloud i've got some application systems running on-prem we see data being moved around a lot and it's not necessarily being moved it's probably more being replicated once you've processed the data do you still need to keep it i know that seems kind of weird to be able to sort of say do we need to keep that data well if you don't if you really don't then perhaps you delete it if you've already got it in one location you start to think about okay well that's where I, I get it from and maybe i replicate it for a purpose but once i've served my purpose can i get rid of it that in itself is where you start to think about okay where can we look for areas of opportunity you've heard people say data is the new oil you think about cars when i go and fuel up my car with petrol and i drive from a to b i don't keep the petrol the petrol's consumed well can we think about applications the same way once i get the insight can i think about the data being consumed and then get rid of it because I always have that, that persistent amount of it somewhere else. Mindset changes, but it is something that we need to recognize and say, okay, I maybe don't need to replicate data everywhere and unnecessarily consume storage and processes all over the place. So super complicated answer, but it's a super complicated challenge. And, and we need to change mindsets. People need to think about the data management aspect of it as a part of the overall solution. Yes, I can see many companies are sort of uh, are trying to address these uh, sort of data management challenges. There are issues related to whether I am capturing the right data in the first place, right? Uh, that is useful. The challenges that you described about, you know, cataloging the data properly. There is also a lot of challenges with the data being very siloed and trapped, right? Because it is following the organization boundaries, unfortunately when some of these data actually really have impact when it is shared horizontally across the enterprise because of, I guess, certain processes or organization dynamics, right? This data is not shared out. And unfortunately, that results in inefficiencies, right? And those could result in a higher carbon footprint as people, you know, are forced to capture the same information using another set of uh, sensors to replicate the data and, and store it separately too. You make a really interesting point. We talk about that replication and moving data to where it's going to be processed. But maybe one of the things we need to think about is how do we move the processes to where the data is? As you say, if I'm going to go ahead and move a whole heap of data to somewhere to process, and again, mindsets, would it be simpler to move the processing component to closer to where the data actually is, right? Because that might be a more efficient way. Like if you're thinking about environmental sustainability, moving the data may not be the most environmentally sustainable thing to do. Maybe it might be more sustainable to bring the processing power. I think there's a lot of opportunities that customers and partners have today to think about their architectures, you know, it's not one way anymore. Like you do have the capability to bring your processing closer to your data. There's an aspect of data gravity. And I heard this term used and I love it. Data actually has a sense of gravity where you actually generate and store data can be a fairly sizable thing. So do you make the decision to say, do I move the data? And do I replicate that and start creating these replicated pools because you're talking about access or 
do I bring the, the processing, those those applications, so I bring it closer to the data and actually have that as the repository because that might yield me a greater outcome in terms of saving the environment. Indeed, and that's why there's this move towards our interest, increasing interest on edge compute and edge AI as well, right? Where you're actually moving the compute resources closer, right, to the source of the data and hence reducing transmission costs, right, the connectivity costs related to that. Thank you for tuning in to Tech Thoughts. Be sure to hit the subscribe button on our podcast channel so you never miss out on the latest and greatest insights from industry leaders and experts. We look forward to welcoming you back for our next episode. Till then, stay inspired and keep innovating.